We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. to help beginners navigate the world of wine. I'm Mel Gilchrist. I'm joined by Meg Brotman. And Meg, we didn't mean to make this a part two of a two-part series, but... No, I honestly thought talking to Neil it would be sort of an in-and-out quick conversation, yeah. but the more you spoke to him, he was just opened up and there was just so much to learn and I just wanted to know more and more and Absolutely. more so it was, it's fascinating. So definitely if you haven't listened to part one go back to last week's listen to part one of our chat with Neil all about the Rhone Valley and um, keep listening if you have because we're going into the rest of what he has to say about this incredible region. Yeah, it's super interesting stay tuned. Tell us about our next wine, Neil. Next one is from Gigondas. Gigondas. So, so this is made by Chapoutier. Okay. We are based in in uh, Tarn, in Tarn Hermitage. Yeah. Um, right next to actually the previous one, which is Carpe de Tarn, and they're both uh, maybe five minutes walking apart. Um, Gigondas is in the Dontel de Montmorey. It's a beautiful area right on the western side of the Say southern Say it again. Rhine. I miss it. Dontel, Dontel de Montmorey. The, the dragon? The lace work of uh, the mountains of Montmorey. Okay. They, they are amazing hills about uh, three, four hundred meters high. Yeah. And they are vertical uh, limestone. Ah. They're stunning. They are stunning. They are stunning. You can go hiking there. The, the, the only issue is that the Mistral blows a little strong from time to time. And I remember going hiking through the Dontel de Montmorea and coming across some Dutch people sitting on the top. And I have no idea how they weren't blown into the Mediterranean. <laughs> Were they wearing shorts and sandals? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Having a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> having a picnic, sitting on the top. And I thought, oh, they're a vertical rock formation. Yeah. And uh, just stunning. They're like they um, have been literally extruded out of the centre of the earth, aren't yeah, they? They're not. So the, like a, the Alps were formed by, by the um, volcanic action and earth moving, the, the, the plates oh. of the earth moving, and they've actually gone straight upwards. They've pushed, so it's been quite a violent um, creation. And can I just ask, sorry to yeah. interrupt. Was Gigondas a village, a Cote de Rhone village wine, and yes. then got upgraded? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's one of the first. It was upgraded in 1971 to be its own appellation. The issue is that uh, Baron Leroy, who came, was the champion of the appellation system, um, of course, came from Chateauneuf du Pop. Yeah, now's the, probably a good time to break down. What, 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 is, what is going on with these appellations, Neil? Let us in. Okay, so in an appellation system in any wine region, uh-huh. there is a general um, appellation f- that, that can be used across uh, as a base okay. across the, the whole region. Then you come into the villages, which are particular villages in particular spots, then there are the crews on top of that, and the crews are the, the, the very special ones. Who decides who the special and ones are? So what happens is the farmers get together and say, okay, if we follow all of these rules, and they come up and they set their yeah. own rules, if we follow these rules, we think we're going to get a uh, standard wine, one that would be recognized and can be marketed as such. Okay. So the the marketing of the wines is not done by the vineyard itself. It's done collectively 
by the marketing board of the region. Okay. And you come up with these rules and you submit them to an organization called the Institut National des Appellations d'Origine. Yeah. Um, in INAO. And they determine, yes, it is going to give a typical wine or not. If they grant it, when you make the wine, you have to follow the rules all the time. If okay. you don't follow the rules, you can't call it that. Ah. It's, it's not the government that decides what is typical. It's the farmers. And uh, the whole idea was championed by Baron Leroy, who was in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. And the first ones were granted in 1936. Strangely enough, Chateauneuf-du-Pape was one of the first. Well, it was the first. It's <laughs> hmm. funny about that. And... Um, um, he later became the president of the institute okay. and, uh, and governed it for 20 years until his death. Um, it was brought about to guarantee the quality of the wine, which at the end of the phylloxera period, there was a lot of wine going all over the planet to mm. boost uh, the, the quality of wine in different regions. So um, Algeria at the time was part of France. And a lot of wine was coming across from there and Bordeaux was Bordeaux. in a mess. And, and Rhone to Bordeaux, which is really interesting because uh, they would take um, uh, Syrah from the Rhone Valley yeah. and take it over to Bordeaux and make Cabernet Shiraz blends mm. uh, in the late 1800s. Yeah. To improve the quality. And there are, there are labels of uh, Chateau Lafitte which say Hermitaged. Oh, Hermitage. Absolutely, Hermitage. Oh, wow. That's what it was. Oh, wow. And uh, they, they, they definitely exist. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting to, to follow that whole thing about where that blend came from. Okay. So this crew thing, so, yeah. I'm just looking at these bottles. I can't see crew written on any of them. No. What does that mean? So, so Gigondas is a crew of the Rhone Valley. You can see Gigondas uh, across the bottle. Okay. And that's what it is. That's the appellation. On the back, it'll say something like Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée or Appellation okay. Gigondas Contrôlée or something like that. So, so, so it's not really easy then to, to figure out what's a crew wine. Crew is wine like a named not. region. Exactly. Like a super village. Yeah. And and it's it they they tend to be quite small okay. in area. So Hermitage is 124 hectares. Uh-huh. Like Beaujolais has it, them as well. It kind of mm. sounds like there's no hard and fast rules. Like if if you're looking for a Rhone wine, we can't just say buy something that says crew in it. Like does, do everyone literally just have to memorize Saint Joseph and? Yeah, not exactly memorize. Some will actually have the crew of Beaujolais, or I might have crew of something. But generally, yeah. yes, you know where the major crews are. Oh, and, and can they put variety on the front label now? I know that Sancerre had that huge fight, and they allowed it to happen. So it's, you, some of you see Sancerre Sauvignon Blanc. Mm, mm. But I, I'm assuming that's appellation by appellation by appellation. It'll be so in the in the decree of the appellation, so whether they can or can't. And this probably can't. And uh, not exactly certain. They they don't yeah. they don't because people generally know what they are in France. It, 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 it's, it's not a it's not a big thing in France. What is the grape variety? Yeah. You don't no, think so much about it. Yeah. In Australia it is because it's the marketing. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. People would try to compare the two. Yeah. Um, 
you look at Chardonnay, for example, a Chardonnay yeah. from Chablis is totally different to a Chardonnay yeah, from is. the southern France. Yeah. And so just saying Chardonnay, you have no idea what it is. Yeah. If you say in, in Australia the same thing, um, if you're looking at uh, um, a Yarra Valley Syrah to a Barossan Shiraz, totally True. different. If yeah. it just said Shiraz, you have no idea. Yeah. You really need to know both. Okay. And so in order to get a good idea. Okay. I just have one quick question. This has got Braille on it. Yes. Chaputier <gasps> always has Braille on yes. their label. That's yeah. lovely. Is it true that there's some, there was some historical member of the family that was blind and yeah. so it was to help them find what was in the cellar? Wasn't it? In, the, the, the story is that in the 1860s, um, a little boy named Maurice Monnier de la Cizeran. I knew you'd know the story. Was born <laughs> and at the age of nine he became blind. Um, in an accident, and he would have grown up to take over running the vineyard. Ah, okay. And he couldn't do so because he was blind. And um, so he went on to study music. He became quite a good uh, music teacher and musician. Wow. And uh, he, like think Stevie Wonder of the 1860s. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a fabulous – but because the – because he couldn't take over the vineyards, nobody to do so. So the family sold the vineyard to Chaputia family. Oh, okay. And it became a Chaputia label, and they just put it down under Cizeran, which is one of the uh, Hermitage, the, the Hermitage yeah. blend, which is fabulous. And um, Michel Chaputia, the current owner, um, he, when he was uh, doing his um, uh, degree, university degree, he did uh, some part-time work working at a printing press and he worked out how to do the simplified version of Braille. And Maurice, Maurice Monia de la Cizeran had developed the simplified version of Braille. So oh, it, really? He actually developed the simplified version, which is what this is. Oh, wow. That's so cool. That's incredible. And so, so from the 19, from 1995 or so, Chaputi have always put Braille on all of their wine labels and all of their business cards and that's all of beautiful. their brochures. And that's the thing I love about wine. It's inclusive. You're drinking history yeah. in a bottle. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That is – I didn't know the full story. I knew it had something to do with a blind person related yeah. to the – Yeah. But I didn't know that that person actually invented simplified Braille. I mean, simplified version of Braille and a music teacher. Wow. So, what should we listen to when we're drinking (laughs) that? Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. (laughs) So, in terms of the taste of this wine, this is completely different than the first two. Correct. Completely. So, this one actually is Grenache Syrah Mouverdre. Okay. Aged in concrete. Yeah. So, no oak Um, from the Southern Rhone. So, much warmer climate. Still got the delicacy because it's it's grown at altitude, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna just quickly taste what I call those rust, more rustic tannins. So they're yeah, more evident. They're not as fine lined, but the perfume and the fruit is very familial. Yes, it's it's the same street, mm. just structurally different, and richer and rounder. Yes, because of the Grenache. Okay. With just this little bit of spicy fruit from the Syrah. Mm. And Mouvedra adds a little bit of structure. And we we tasted that before Neil arrived. Yeah. That's changed completely. It has already opened up glass. a lot in the glass. Yeah. It's, That's um, delicious. 
And this would go fabulous with lamb. Oh. Now, Jigonda, strangely enough, has been around for a long time. It was a R&R spot for the Roman centurions when they were fighting in the Rhone Valley. Ah. And uh, there is a um, history as well there with yeah. some old winemaking facilities that have been found. I think you need to write a book. I would oh. love to write a book. Neil, just like, <laughs> I know. I know that history and stuff. People would love that. It's so cool. It is cool. Going back to Joseph. Oh, my God, I know. know. Uh, uh, uh-huh. The happy death man. <laughs> happy death. So in terms of pricing for this one, where where does it sit? This one's 47. 47. So, so it's really so, similar to St. Joseph. Absolutely. I will often do, but different. Different. I, I will do masterclass and, and taste both of them against each other and see which one people like best Yeah, because they're quite different. Yeah. And, and I love them both. They have similar price. It's really interesting because I found the, like, Jigen Das more interesting. It's a, more perfumed. It's got a bit more oomph to it. But I just found the St. Joseph so, like, smooth and integrated flavors. It was, like, really lovely. Yeah. Ethereal. 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 I hate all those wanky wine terms that people use. What was avuncular was yeah. a, a term. Oh, my God. I do, know, right? Do you two have a favorite out of those, out of those two? Different, no, because they're, they're completely different beasts for me. This yeah. is, um, I think this needs a bit more time. The ship, the Gigondas. Gigondas. I just find that. The same Lovely. 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 Yeah, yeah, lovely is the best term lovely. for it. It yeah. is lovely. And that I think needs to calm a bit down. More time. You need to start pointing, time. Meg. It's a Sorry. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see you. I term. think the Gigondas needs a bit more time to settle down and. Yeah. But. Beautiful wines, and the village is just beautiful. It's really it? lovely. In fact, it's it's, it's my favourite appellation. Vacares, yeah. um, uh, no, as well, oh. right next to each other. Wow, Vacares is lovely. All right, so I'm so excited. Let's get into our last wine. Can you tell us a bit about this last? This is one we were talking about before, wasn't it? Yeah, so this the, this next one is the Chateau Neuf du Pape from Gigal. Mm. So Gigal is a negociant based in Ampuy. Okay. Uh, he's actually in the Northern Rhone. And uh, he's uh, got vineyard, vineyards and buys in grapes across, uh, across the Rhone Valley. Okay. Um, now, Chateau Neuf du Pape is fancy, right? All, all I think of is like, it's fancy, isn't it? Yeah, it's got the biggest reputation okay. for the Southern Rhone. So okay. Hermitage for the Northern Rhone, ah. Chateau Neuf du Pape for the Southern Rhone. Okay. Um, and he's it got a big reputation of using 13 different grapes and uh, mm. and please don't ask me what they are. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember either. There's some white ones in there. Though, Absolutely, some white wines Tourette. as well. Noir, oh Trek, Rusan, Pickpool, Pickpool, absolutely. Your little friend, Pickpool, uh, Bobelink. Oh yeah. Um, oh. It smells like potpourri. And um, so, but the reason I got so many is because yeah. they were plant. The way grapes used to grow, yeah, is that that they would shoot them. They would they would generate shoots by the the. Um, uh, the branches going into the earth. Oh, yes. You can't do it yes. anymore because they would be on their own roots. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. Explain well, again. at the moment, the, the way of overcoming phylloxera is to plant, uh, use American rootstock oh, and put the French yeah, of course. Uh, wine on the upper part. Yeah. And, of course, if you just use the top of the branch to grow the roots, yeah. they would die because the phylloxera would attack the roots. Okay, yeah. Do you think the phylloxera still ex- or does? Oh, yeah, it, it's still there. Yeah, American vines can still there. just aren't susceptible to it. Yeah. Yeah, so. the, the roots is they don't affect the roots of wow. American. Wow, so American so they're not made like this. Oh no, but that's how. And and the, and the important part is that it's not grapes grown in America. It's American different species of vine. Mm. Yeah, native to America. Exactly, exactly. When so. when in the US they plant Cabernet, they use um, grafted stock. So we have the, the grapevine that we this genus and species that we drink from is Vitis vinifera. Yes. Whereas an American variety would be Berlandieri. Yeah, okay. Vitis Berlandieri. So yeah. it's not vinifera. And yeah. in Europe you can't make quality wine from non-vinifera vines. Yeah. But you can plant, you can put the rootstock. So it's like, do they call it beer rooting? You know where they, you buy... Um, <laughs> No. Sounds interesting. Where are we <laughs> going with this? Uh, you know when you buy a lemon tree in the winter, they always say bare rooted. Have you ever seen that? When nope. You... Okay. Uh, no, I haven't, but I understand okay. it. Yeah, well, it makes I sense. have a wee little orchard on mm. where I live. Yeah. So when you buy fruit trees, they call them bare rooted. So I'm assuming that they are actually grafted. Yeah. I don't know what that what it means, but that's what we buy. Um, so, yeah, in – You've got the American rootstock that's in contact with the phylloxera, effectively, and then the French yeah. or European vine on top of it. Okay, so that there's 13 different grapes, but are they actually doing all the varieties going into this or is it just uh, a few? Almost or? certainly not. Okay. Of course, it's not specified, Yeah, but almost certainly this is just a GSM blend as well. So why, why is it so... Um, uh, fancy, like why is it so well recognized, so famous? It's uh, for Chateauneuf du Pope, yeah. Chateauneuf du Pope, well, apart from you know, Chateauneuf being the Newcastle of the Pope, yeah. And uh, I think we talked about that story already, yeah. Um, uh, so having this big reputation and being one of the first, well, being the first appellation that was granted, um, it's also got the prestige. And, so it's not necessarily and, the integrity of the wine. Is it based more on history and stories? Politics. And politics. politics. A lot of politics. Wow. What was his name? He was from... Baron Leroy. Leroy from... His actual name Chardonnay. is Baron Pierre Leroy de Boiseau-Marie. Boiseau wow. Okay. This is complete <laughs> it's a mouthful. And um, he owned Chateau Fortier and, uh, and he championed the Appalachian system. And uh, so the part of, a lot of it was to do with politics because Gigandas was the big rival. Ah. And and what so he that? didn't want Gigandas because it would rival Chateauneuf in terms of prestige. Now, whether they deserved it or not, I don't know because I wasn't around in 1936. <laughs> I'm pretty old, but not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. But it's strange that the year after... Uh, four years after Baron Leroy died, that Gigandas was promoted to to crew appellation. Wow! 
It had become a village before then, is 1971. <laughs> There's a lot of politics involved. I mean, and Mouton Rothschild, you know, 1973 was promoted. The, yeah. The only one. Exactly. And they say it's all from politics. Mm. It wasn't yeah. for any other reason. Mm, I think the Rothschilds had a little bit of money. Yeah. <laughs> So this one, this one's much more expensive than the others, isn't the it? <laughs> <laughs> what's what's this one worth? So this is a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars is $100 it? Hundred dollars a, a is bottle. It, is it worth it? But it's re- it's much bigger. Yeah. It's richer. It's fuller flavored. Yeah. Um, again, twenty sixteen, great year. It probably need a little bit extra time. Will be even fabulous. Um, same sort of style with the big, rich, round mouth feel, the spicy fruit and the structure. Mm. And um, uh, and it will be aged in oak, absolutely. Shadow left to pep for me is that baked. There's this this baked earth terracotta ish mm. character that always comes through to, to delineate between the southern and northern. That San Jose mm. is much more a little bit of green peppercorn and fresh fruit oh. and Shadow Nerf. You get the what are the stones called? Galley. 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 The galley. The big stones that reflect heat into yeah. the vine because it's bush vine and Oh you have to grow Grenache in bush vine. Beautiful. And and they have the big galley. Strangely enough, the galleys are all through the southern Rhone. Um, they're the stones. They're the yep. big stones. Yeah. And but they're most famous in Chateauneuf. And Chateauneuf is three thousand hectares. It's not uniform. Okay. Um, but it's got the big reputation for having the galley everywhere. So they have these big stones that reflect the sun back onto the vines. Correct. In it's turn, a bush vine, making it, it and prune wow. very low. Grenache yeah. is very vigorous, so yeah. you prune it really low yeah. and, and and quite hard. And each year it'll regrow. So the 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 grapes are low to the stones. Yeah, the stones absorb the the heat during the day and radiate it back in the evening. So it gives bigger, rich, full flavored. Um, high alcohol because yeah. of high sugar content and you, the Grenache that's grown in Chateauneuf will be up to 17, 18% alcohol. You know what? I've never seen bush vines in Australia. Yeah, they're in the they um, McLaren Valley oh, in yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. The vines here just look so perfect and I think in like, <laughs> oh, there's something about the like perfection of wines in Australia that sometimes I'm like, there's this like rusticity in France. Thing is, bush vines don't really succeed in non-warm climates because uh, the vine is a sprawling yeah, okay. thing. So what happens is it covers the fruit, mm. and so you get shading. So in a cool climate like the Yarra Valley, if you had a bush vine, you just have this green, mm. unripe character. Whereas in Roussillon or Barossa or McLarenvale, there's heat. Yeah, okay. So they can extend the ripening season. We don't have mm. that here. And there's a lot of wind from the Mistral. Yeah, okay. So very hot, a lot of wind. Yeah. You need a very sturdy vine. Yeah. Mm. So very low to the ground. It's not going to yeah. blow over. You have uh, trellises. Yeah. If you use them, they would. They, the chances are it would just blow over. So if someone really wanted to buy something from the Rhone, should they go a Shadow Nifta pub? Because, I mean, personally, I love this. I think this is so amazing and beautiful. But, like... Is it overpriced because of politics or do you think it stands with integrity within its price range? I think that it stands integrity in the price range. Yeah. Um, for me, the, the, this uh, Chateau Neuf, I would eat with wild boar. Mm. What? Really? Absolutely. Well, a ragu of wild boar. 
Look at Meg's face. Which? Neil speaking Meg's language. <laughs> There's a restaurant in the, the Roussillon um, that only does wild boar because oh, yeah. the, the wild boar eats the vines yes. in the Roussillon. So they have yes. the little electric fences that are around ankle height to try and stop the sanglier. Is yeah. that right? Sangliers. Coming through. And there was a restaurant we used to go to up in those cathartic hills in the, the uh, Roussillon mm-hmm. and that would everything would be wild boar and yes that would be they run through heaven. Chateauneuf as well not so wine from the region goes with the food from the region yeah and what is it La Chasse <laughs> for chasing after them, yeah, they, hunting them. In, is it October, November? End, end of vintage-ish mm. when it starts to get – every region in France has La Chasse, the chase of – and all the pissed-up vintners <laughs> that go out shooting whatever. I mean, in the Loire, Love it was more France. deer. Yes. But um, I guess down in – There's the wild boars and the yeah. sangliers. <gasps> and it is superb. It is so good. Honestly, this is one of the best wines I've had in a long time. Like, it's I, I find it absolutely fine. amazing, this Chateauneuf to Pop. I've never actually tasted one before. It's incredible. Oh, really? Yeah, I've never tasted oh, one. Oh, Le Nert is one of my favourites. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Domaine de la Solitude? Don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just up the road. Okay. And what's the one, the telephone? View Telegraph? Yep. Very nice. Yeah, that's good too. Really like a beautiful. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so Neil, someone's at home. Mm. They've never tasted wines from the Rhone Valley before. Where do you think they should start? They're going to go out and buy one thing this weekend. What should they buy? I would buy two. (laughs) (laughs) I would buy. That wasn't the brief. Changing the game, but okay, we'll let you have it. Well, I'm a salesperson. (laughs) I I would buy the Saint Joseph and the Gigondas and compare. I would. I I I agree. Compare which one you like best. And if you're feeling rich, buy that. Chateauneuf to Papen. Oh, mate, if you got the money, buy it. That's brilliant. And if it's Wednesday night and you just want to have a pizza, go and get the Vontu. That Vontu is going to be a regular at my house, I mm. think. That That's insane for 15 bucks. You don't even get like a like an appellated wine for – like red wine for 15 bucks. You couldn't even get a Barossa or something in what Australia. What would that cost in France? Oh, four euros. Okay. That's cool. Four or five euros. All right, we are so over time. I'm going to have to do some heavy editing on this. <laughs> Just cut me in. But, um, Neil, I, we, we finish in a question every week. And um, we, funnily enough, um, I was talking to Tori, our producer beforehand, and she had her own question. And she wants to know, she was like, you must have the funniest people come in working at Dan Murphy's. What's your funniest story of someone just needing wine help or just general alcohol help at Dan Murphy's? I have a number. I have a number. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, 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 the weirdest one was this uh, rather young and particularly attractive young man came into the store and he's looking for passion fruit liqueur or something or other. And I am trying to, to help him and find it, whatever. And I said, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm making wet pussy shots. <laughs> Noise. And I looked at him and I have no idea what a wet pussy shot is. And I looked at him and I thought, yes, I think you probably will succeed. <laughs> oh, that's so 
funny. It's like, he's like, it's such a thing that like, I feel like millennials can really relate to the wet pussy shot. It's like, it's got barely any alcohol in it. It's got like schnapps. So you go to a really? bar. It's a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got like, it's basically what it, it's like peach snaps and raspberry cordial. It's nothing. It's like and what's that got to do? I hate the word pussy. What's that got to do with pussy shots? Uh, if I was guessing and being crude, I think it's just yum. It's not going to like, it's just yum. So the person who came up with it probably draw your I own conclusion. <laughs> draw your own conclusion from that. But it's like 2% alcohol. They always serve them at bars for like $5. And you're like, yeah, let's do shots. But really, <laughs> there's like nothing in it. Sorry, Tori's just Googled something. It's because it's pink. It's wet pink? Because it's watered down. So that's why. Oh, my God. So Tori just said, because oh, it's God. pink, wet, and watered down. And oh, my God. And you want to be sleeping out of glass in a bar. I mean, seriously. <laughs> wow. This is okay. so funny. Uh. Welcome to our podcast, Neil. <laughs> Hey, he brought it up. He did bring it up. True, I you're as bad as us. I with the actions. I said, oh, that's nice, dear. And then he says, um, I said, what is a wet pussy shot? And he proceeded to explain. And then he says, you put them in a cocktail shaker and you shake like that. Uh, <laughs> and the motion. And I said, that's too much information, I think. <laughs> And he laughed and he said, I'm getting out of here before I do anything else. Oh he was absolutely gosh. so innocent and had no idea what he was oh doing. Oh, my Bless. God, that's awesome. Uh, well, Gross and awesome at the same time. <laughs> we'll finish up here, but Neil, that was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I I always learn so much doing these, but I think even Meg, you were. Yeah, I did, all the history. It was, like, you've got to write a book. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a, it was a pleasure. I loved it. Thank you. Amazing. And everyone out there, enjoy your next glass of wine. Drink well. Like we are. (laughs) 